May God be gracious to us and bless us. Yes, Lord, we need your graciousness right now, dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, dealing with racial barriers that are up in our country, Lord, dealing with riots and protesting and all kinds of things that are happening in our country. We need your graciousness. We need your blessing. Make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. We know you're the only one that can break down racial barriers. You're the only one that can give us salvation. You're the only one that can give us true hope and true joy. So we run to you and ask that your salvation be known to all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Yes, may we run and praise to you, remembering how good and how awesome you are. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. It seems like right now we have very little to be glad about and sing for joy, but we remember your goodness. Remember how amazing your grace is. We have so much to sing for joy about. May the peoples praise you, God. May the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Yes, Lord, forgive us. We have lost our fear for you, uh, a powerful and mighty God. And uh, we should be in fear. We should be in awe because you're all-powerful and almighty, but you're also gracious and loving. So help us to run to you this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We love celebrating with life rings, people that come to faith in Christ. If you're new here, we use these life rings to indicate people that put professed faith in Christ. And at the 1030 service, Michael Mitchell is going to put up his own ring. But this morning, I have the honor of doing it for him. The Mitchell family have been a part of this church for a long time. And uh, Michael Mitchell has put his faith in Christ. So we celebrate with him that he's come to, from death to life. When we feel like God is not moving in our life, I think it's really natural, especially for Americans, to take things into our own hands. And uh, I, I've done this many times, but the, the most vivid time I remember this is, um, as many of you know, I went through a period of my life where I was dealing with panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And if you've gone through that, you know how awful it is. And I was probably about six months into it just not knowing why my heart was just racing for no reason, why my, I was getting these headaches and feeling dizzy and all these things. I remember sitting out on the beach of Volano Beach and just looking out and just almost saying to God, where are you? I, I don't know why you're having me go through this. I don't understand it. I'm being affected as a pastor and as a dad and as a husband, and I just don't get it. And I'm going to start, forget, forget about what you're going to do. I'm going to do my own things, and I'm going to start doing all these different things and these different programs. I'm going to take it all into my, into my own hands. And um, I remember shortly after that, seeing God show up in amazing ways and showing me that he was still moving and showing me that there was a purpose going through. And now that it's been many years after that, me being able to share that story, so many people have come and talked to me about the feelings that they've had with anxiety and panic attacks, and I've been able to relate with them as a pastor and as a friend. And so as we look at this this morning, I want you to know a couple things. One, God sees us. He sees us. All the stuff that's going on in our world and maybe in your own personal life, he sees you. And you'll see that with the story here of, of Hagar and, and Ishmael, that God sees us. Also, I want to challenge you this morning to walk by faith and not by sight. 
Because I think sometimes when we see things that are happening, we think we have to take action. We have to do things. We have to do certain steps for God to move. And I think sometimes it's a lot more difficult to sit back and rest in God and say, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to do some things here that maybe don't make sense to the world, but I trust in you and I believe in you. And that's really difficult to do. And as I was reading the story over and over this week in Genesis chapter 16, as we've been walking through Genesis, I thought, you know, I would probably never preach on this if we weren't walking through Genesis. I'd probably never do this. The story of Hagar and Ishmael, and, and you'll see, and especially uh, trying to be sensitive to all the kids that are in here too, this is a very interesting story. A story of Sarai saying to Abram, go ahead, you can go ahead and sleep with another woman. This is the Bible here, guys. I'm so thankful that the Word of God does not gloss over things that are not particularly godly. It gives me so much more hope in the Bible. It gives me so much more hope in God that it isn't just a story of all these people that did everything perfect. But it's a story of people that are messed up, just like me. And I'm so thankful to God's graciousness that he sees me and he sees you. And so we're going to jump in here in uh, Genesis chapter 16. Uh, just to remind you about where we've been at, we've been spending some time here with, with Abram. Uh, Abram was promised some, the land that God was going to give him, and so he goes on this amazing act of faith, and he goes and takes over that land that God called him to, and then on his own, he goes to Egypt and doesn't fall after God. He's walking by sight, not by faith, and then he gives his wife Sarai to Pharaoh as a part of uh, his harem saying that she's his sister really bad move there and then God blesses him with riches anyway because of his graciousness and then he goes with his nephew Lot who's been traveling with him and they get to decide who's going to go to the nice part of the country and who's going to not and he gives Lot that decision Lot chooses to go uh, to the place where he thinks would be better and Abram passes this test of prosperity. Then Abram has to go and rescue Lot because he's in the midst of all of this sin. And then God renews his promise with Abram saying that he's going to make all the generations of God go through him. And that all of the generations that he has are going to be like all the stars in the sky. Yet, even though Abram doesn't have any children yet. And so here we go, pick, picking up the story and... And it's been about 10 years since the promise, and so um, they're kind of starting to doubt a little bit, which you can imagine that, right? I mean, you can imagine a little doubt creeping in after 10 years of God's uh, saying something's going to happen and it hasn't happened yet. So here's Genesis 16. I'll read it through, and then we'll, we'll talk through it here a little bit. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne bore him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai took his, his, uh, Sarai took his, uh, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. She slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You're responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. 
Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and it was in the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants, they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now a child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And they will live in hostility toward all of his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now been, been seen I have now seen the one who sees me. That's why the well was called uh, Beer Lahai Roy. It's still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Okay, a lot going on there. Let's talk about it a little bit and see how we can apply it uh, to our lives. First things first, Sarai, you can see here, obviously did a pretty bad thing. Says, go and sleep with my servant. Go and sleep with my uh, slave. But this was not a, just a quick act of impatience. It had been a decade. And uh, this, this act of impatience, I can completely relate with. I mean, I have a hard time, like when I go through a fast food restaurant and go through the drive through and they tell you that the food's not ready, go park in that parking spot. That drives me crazy. I'm like, I came through a fast food restaurant to get fast food. Don't make me wait in this parking spot. Anybody else relate to that? All right. I, I, man, I don't like that at all. Uh, but here is, here is Sarai waiting 10 years for this promise to happen. And she finally says, you know what? I'm not walking by faith anymore. I'm going to walk by sight. And this seems like it's going to be a little bit painful. But because of the laws of the land are during that time, whatever children her servant Hagar had was going to be her child, that it would actually come under her roof, that she would be the mother of it, and that's just the way things worked then. And so she thought, well, if I can't have children, I'm getting up there in age here, maybe uh, my servant will have a child. And so she makes this decision, and it's a pretty uh, cringeworthy statement, she says. She says, the Lord has kept me from having children. You see, she, she blames God. And I think when things aren't going our way, we don't feel like God is moving, we have a tendency to do that, don't we? To say, God has kept me from doing this, or God is not on the move, or God doesn't see me. And so when we do that, sometimes we make decisions that aren't particularly godly. And that's exactly here what Sarai does. She steps out and she says, I'm going to take this into my own hands. And this is, seems a little similar to the story of, of Adam and Eve, where Eve kind of perceived that there was a problem that didn't really exist thanks to the lies of the serpent, and she takes matters in, into her own hands, and Sarai does the whole, same thing here. She takes matters into her own hands and says, you know what, God, if you're not going to move, then forget it. I'm going to move on my own, and I am going to do this, even though it's going to cause me pain, even though it's going to be difficult, I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. Hmm. What an interesting thing. 
And so then this, the, the servant Hagar gets pregnant. And like I think most ladies would be, she starts getting angry at this because now that she's actually seeing that it's happening and she can't get pregnant and the servant gets pregnant, she's getting mad at God. She's getting mad at the servant. And because she could treat the servant any way that she wants to, she starts treating her very poorly. And so Hagar says, forget this. I, I am gone. Now, the uh, Egyptian woman, Hagar, with the gods that she would have been used to worshiping, these gods would have never recognized from their traditions anybody that was a servant. They would have never recognized any type of pain uh, that was going through, that they were going through. The gods of, of Egypt would have never noticed a slave girl. In order for the Egyptian gods to notice you, you would have had to climb up their priestly ladder doing all types of works and weird prayers and, and weird things uh, to get these gods to, to notice to notice you. And so Hagar goes off on her own. You can imagine she sees the angel of the Lord. And most theologians believe that this was God himself um, that is showing himself to her. And, and she, she has this experience uh, with him. And, and he says to her, he says to her, I, I, I see you. She says this to him, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I love the, the question that the angel of the Lord asks in uh, verse 9. Yes, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, it wasn't like God just forgot geography and didn't know what was going on. He was saying, hey, I know you, I see you, and I want to hear your story. It's so awesome being heard, isn't it? And especially when you're going through a tough time. It's, it's really great for someone to sit down and hear you. I'll never forget in my life, I had three really amazing people, a guy named Dustin Agard, who was on my baseball team at Flagler College, uh, the best man at my wedding, Woody Gross, and then my beloved Christy Herko, who was Christy Schweikert at the time. They heard my story. He was a boy from Boston swearing every other word, saying wicked way too much, and and I was far from God, but they heard my story. They heard all my weird theories about if there was a God, what that God would be like. And they just listened. And they heard me. And they heard my story. And because they heard my story, I was more drawn to them and the life that they had in Christ. And because of that, God used them in amazing ways. God used them to say, I, I see you, Andy. And my heart right now is just absolutely breaking for our country. We've been going through this COVID crisis, and I've been seeing people in our church losing their jobs and being furloughed and being put in difficult financial situations. I want to tell you right now, I want to tell you, I'm going to look you guys in the eye, I'm looking the camera too, God sees you. God sees you. He hasn't left you uh, on your own to deal with the issues that are happening. My heart is absolutely breaking for the black community right now and the racial barriers that have been put up and the racism that's happened in our country for so long, for too long. I mean, just this week, two of my black friends shared stories with me that were unbelievably heartbreaking to me. One of them shared, me a, shared with me a story about how his son lives outside of Cincinnati in a rural setting, and every day he goes jogging. But because of what happened to Ahmaud um, Arbery, he doesn't feel safe to go jogging anymore. Here's a young man that lives in the United States 
in a rural setting, he feels like he can't jog. That's heartbreaking. Another one of my black friends shared a story with me this week that he went into a store here locally in, in World Golf Village. And when he walked in the store, he was in the store for 15, 20 minutes. And the entire time, the manager followed him all the way around the store. And he is absolutely convinced, and I agree with him, he did that because he was a black man. This is heartbreaking things that are happening in our country. And the Bible calls God's people to justice and to mercy and humility. Where the Bible co confronts the sins of injustice and prejudice and racism and pride. It's my job to point you back to the Bible and say, even in the midst of all this, God sees you in your hardship and let's run to God, the one who can break down all of these barriers. Let's not worry about trying to take everything into our own hands. Let's walk by faith, not by sight, because God sees us. He sees us. And so if you've been going through these hurts, you've been going through these injustices, you've been dealing with racism, you've been dealing with this COVID-19 virus, God sees you just like he saw this serving girl, Hagar. No one saw her. No one saw her. She certainly didn't grow up in an environment with Egyptian gods that those gods would have seen her. But the one true God saw her. And the one true God sees you. He's interested in our individual lives. He created us. He loves us. Now, all that being said, it's really interesting that when we go against God and when we sin and we do things that are not his way, he is a gracious and loving God, but he's also just. And there are consequences to sin, and we see some of those consequences now, and we still see it in our world because of this choice that Sarai made. And really, Abraham, Abraham made too. I mean, do you notice that just like Adam with Eve, Abraham with this was not fighting this plan? I mean, he could have said, hey, listen, Sarai, this is a bad idea. Me to sleep with the servant? Didn't say that, did he? Some man of God he was, right? See, these this heroes of our faith give me so much hope because God still uses these knuckleheads. He can use you and he can use me if he's using these people. Abram is silent here. And you see what happens here. It says, you are now a child and you have a son. You're, you shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. I have to tell you that this translation really milds it down. But there's kids in here this morning, so I won't tell you what it actually means. But if you send me an email, I'll tell you what it means. It's a lot worse than just a wild donkey of a man. And what ends up happening is that Ishmael, through his generations, become the father of all of the Arab nations. And we see still today that the Jewish people... And the people uh, of Islam, the Muslims, are still fighting to this day. And the fighting is going to continue. It's going to keep going on because they believe that the true line of the promise of the land that they were promised is through Ishmael. And we believe that what God's word says is that the true line for the land, and certainly Jewish people believe this, is through, is through Abram and Isaac. And so... Presidents have tried to bring people together. The United Nations have tried to bring people together. They're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep fighting because they both believe that they've been promised that land. And this comes from a sin many, 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 many years ago. 
that for generations and generations and generations and generations, because they didn't fall after God, that this fighting and this sin still happens. And when I hear this story, when I hear what it's described, that he'll be a wild donkey of a man, that his hand will be against everyone, that everyone's hand will be against him. He will live in hostility toward his brothers. I mean, this sounds like the Middle East to me. I mean, it's like, it's like this box that any type of spark happens there, it just lights up. And it's because of this sin that has happened. So God is gracious and loving, but he is also just. And as you see through all of this, God still in his graciousness helps us to realize that we can walk by faith and not by sight and that God sees us even in the midst of all of the sin and the issues and the problems. In Galatians chapter 3, we see, we see the story come to fruition here in the, in the New Testament. In verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, that he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God had sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. See, this is the gospel. We all stray. We all run away from God. We're all slaves to sin. With the brains that God has given us, we think things that are not godly all the time. Right? I mean, do you? I do. And uh, I know I'm not alone in that. With the lungs that God has given us, we say things that don't honor God. See, this is the great blasphemy of the universe, that we think things and we do things against God and say things against God all the time. And because of that, we're slave to sin. But Jesus came on this earth, lived a perfect life, and saw us in our sin, saw us in our shame, saw us in all the ways that we've done wrong, and he lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, that if we believe in him and trust in him, we can have eternal life. See, all the ways that we mess up, just like Sarai messed up, just like Abram messed up, just like we've messed up, all those have consequences. And because God is a just God, we have to answer for those sin, or someone has to answer for that sin. And thanks be to God that Jesus answers for that sin. And if we trust in him, we can get his righteousness. So if you've never trusted in him, won't you do that today? Won't you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? All you have to do is tell him, I've sinned against you. I've done wrong against you. I want to trust in you as Lord and Savior. I want to follow after you as Christ in my life. Won't you do that? If you have done that, you can text the number on the screen or you can let a staff member know about it. You can write a comment on, online. We'd love to help you grow in your faith. Samantha Corley, our administrative assistant, sent me this uh, devotional this week. It said that God's timing is best. God is trustworthy. His plan is worth waiting for. And I know a lot of people know these things, but our impulsivity and our impatience get the best of us. We think that we've been waiting long enough. I know that I've said that to God many times. And maybe you have too. 
but God's plan is worth waiting for. And we start walking by sight and start walking our own ways, then there's always consequences. There's always greater hurt. But when we walk by faith, when we walk by faith, then God tends to work in those things. I mean, I just look at so many different examples in the Bible. Walking by faith and walking by sight requires you to maybe go to a place you don't know. To walk as God will reveal his obedience, just like it happened with Abram. Just like Abram was promised this land, he walked by faith with God. Walking by faith by God may mean clinging to dreams that God has planted in your heart, even when you've been thrown away or punished or like Joseph was, was put in, in prison. Walking by faith requires a strong determination to follow God's plan regardless of what life throws your way. I mean, look at Daniel's life and his resolve not to fall on sin. I mean, if he was walking by sight, it would have just made sense for him to, to, to eat things that he knew that he wasn't supposed to eat. Walking by faith means that you have the courage to stand up for those that are hurting, for stand up for those that are downtrodden, to stand up for those that maybe have gone through and endured racism. It takes faith to stand up even when you know you might be criticized. I mean, look at the life of Esther. Didn't she do that? You may be playing the part of a fool if you walk by faith. I mean, Noah was building an ark. It took him 100 years, as we found many months ago, that he did that. And I can't imagine the amount of criticism that he took. Because if he was walking by sight, building a boat when it hadn't rained on the earth is absolutely ridiculous, right? But he was walking by faith. He was following after God. I don't know what God is calling you to do right now, to walk by faith. It may be a small thing. It may be a big thing. But our natural inclination as sinners is to walk by sight, to say, God isn't really on the move. I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to do what makes sense to the world. But we as the church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should have an internal perspective. This isn't all we have, guys. Whatever amount of time that God blesses us on this earth, this is not our home. We're going to be in eternity forever with God worshiping him. And he's placed us here on mission. Yes, he's so gracious. He gives us things that we can enjoy. And he gives us food that tastes good. And for most of us, gives us nice homes to live in and nice cars to, to drive. And he's so gracious to be able to do that. But that's not the point of life. The point of life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so as a church, we should challenge one another to not walk by sight, but to walk by faith because God sees us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we can come to your throne of grace and that you'll give us mercy, that you'll give us grace, and we can come to you in confidence. And so I pray as you challenge us to walk by faith and not by sight, it's going to look different than what people in the world are doing. We may be doing things that don't make any sense to the world. So I pray, God, that you would help us. Help us have the courage to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're the God that sees us. You're the God that knows us. You're the God that cares for us. You're the God that loves us. Thank you. Thank you. We're not left alone in our sin. We're not left alone to our own plans or our own thoughts but you are guiding us down the path. And I pray right now for our church that we would be a church that would be bold enough to walk by faith and not by sight. 
I pray for our community, God, that we would be leaders in our community, that we would be lighting the way in darkness, that we wouldn't fall down of a pit of despair believing that you're not in the move, but we would have hope and joy even in the midst of sorrow because we know that you're the God that sees us. In Jesus' name.